You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. And welcome, everybody, back to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. This is episode number 84. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, I've understood that you have begun to binge watch the series Yellowstone. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, my wife and I have been watching for a while. I guess we, we binged it about six months ago, or maybe a year ago. I don't know. Catching season four. Uh, do you watch it? I do not. It's 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 good it's a beautiful show to watch it's maybe the the biggest show on television right now do i think it's great no i'm not i mean i watch it because i think it's it's fun to watch but at the same time it's over the top and and uh a little hard to take i'm not sure if the writing is that good at times but it's worth watching it's kevin costner and it's uh if you've seen the the scenery in montana makes you want to go out there i will tell you that imagine dallas meets the sopranos meets uh, the writing doesn't measure up to those two shows, but still, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I want to make a return trip to that area. I, I got to go to South Dakota, Wyoming, Yellowstone Park. Really? Back. I want to go there. It's been 30 years ago, and uh, yeah, I want to I want to go back, see Mount Rushmore and all that stuff. But uh, I'm also a big Kevin Costner fan. But I have I just cannot get into Yellowstone just yet. But uh, it's, it's uh, worth watching. I have been watching. I uh, just now started uh, last night. I'll start watching the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. That is a uh, good. You talking about glow? Glow, glow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good for one season, and then it goes completely off the rails later on. It really? Just, I've, yeah. I've just I, gotten to episode nine, and it's it's pretty good. I like the guy that plays uh, the the director, Sam Sylvia. I think he does a really good job. Yeah, Both. I can't remember his name, but uh, yeah, it's 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 worth watching initially. Uh, I've watched that a couple years ago, but season three was just hard to take. I will tell you that. Oh, That's ha- that happens with a lot of streaming series. It's like they they'll have a year or two, they they and they 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 hit it, and uh, and then they're like, well, we've wrapped up, and we don't really know where to go from here, so let's just screw the damn thing up. With the right. exception of Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai is really good. Nah, that I comes haven't. back this. That comes back. I haven't started that either, but oh, uh, you need to watch. That's the best one. That that's of all those shows. Yeah, we're getting off a tanger a little bit, but yeah, I would highly recommend Cobra Kai. Is that on YouTube? Right. That's on. It's on Netflix. It started out on like. Yeah. Started on new uh, YouTube, right? Maybe. Oh, yeah. It's and Netflix picked it up and it just exploded and it's. I got uh, you. It's karate. I mean, I'm sure everybody's listening. To this knows it's it's Karate Kid, thirty something years later, but it's got a, a, a unique twist to it that makes it very very worthwhile. It's funny. It's creative and uh, the acting is great. I uh, can't say enough about it. My wife and I can't wait for the next season to come out. Yeah, season man. one's fantastic. fantastic. I highly recommend that one. Now, uh, we'll be joined by Brandon Jaggers later. Uh, he's going to take a break from his poker game, his Monday night poker game, to join us uh, when we have our guest on. But uh, not a whole lot going on in the world of horse racing. Uh, Doug O'Neill won the, uh, the uh, Los Alamitos for charity. If slow down Andy, that horse probably stamps himself as a as a horse to watch on the Derby Trail. But uh, outside of that, not, not a lot going on. We do have a uh, a thirty thousand dollar plus pick five carryover on Thursday night at Turfway, so probably gonna jump in that pool. Uh, haven't looked at the po- uh, past performances yet, but uh, I gotta take a gotta take a at least a gander at it, even if I don't play it. Yeah, I gotta take a gander if I don't play, but it actually does. I'll bring you to a horse racing point here. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get into our guests, we have a wonderful guest coming up. Uh, just, just, I mean, we, we, we can't say enough about our guests coming up, but let me get back to the carryover thing real quick. I've got a little thing with carryovers. I think carryovers, I, I'm like everybody else. When there's a carryover and it's say a pick five, I'm all ears, right? I'm, I'm going to listen. You should, right? It's free money. It theoretically reduces the takeout, so on and so forth. But I have one... I do think people go into carryovers automatically all the time, and I think it's a mistake. Uh, I'm not saying that this won't be a mistake come Tuesday, with, uh, Thursday with this one, but so often in these carryovers, you'll get this modest carryover, and then people will jump in, and then you'll have all the syndicates get in, people going on bigger tickets. They all play the same type ticket for the most part, the same caveman ticket. And even though there's a carryover there, 
even though it was a carryover, the thing eventually pays exactly what would have paid anyway, right? Had there not been a carryover, because there's so many more tickets in there, so many color by number tickets, and I just think you got, I just think you have to approach with a little more caution, a little more uh, wisdom when you come to these things, play them a little bit differently. But don't you feel that way? A lot of times you have a carryover and everybody gets all excited about it. And it's like, well, the payoff's good, but it's, it is not great. Well, unless something really unique happens. I don't know the math of it, but I, I think if, if a lot of money is into the pool, it kind of negates the carryover. Now, if you get an average amount of agreed money bet into the pool, maybe just like 90,000. I think that that's actually a, a good thing. Even if it chalks out, yes. I think that helps your payoff. Now, they go bet two hundred thousand dollars into the thing, and it's only got a thirty thousand dollar carryover. Then you got a problem. It's not going to. It's just. It's just an ordinary payoff, I would think. But like I said, I don't know the math of the, of, of figuring that out. But uh, do you play uh, carryover simply because of carryover? Because like, and I'd also add like maybe you, the other the other thing is you look at the sequence. Like I don't care how much they're giving away. I can't hit the damn thing. Right. You know what I mean? That that, that I think that plays a factor too. I'm not I'm not saying anything bad or, or good or bad. I'm just saying sometimes I think. The excitement over carryovers doesn't live up to the hype. Does that well, make I, sense? I can't, uh, I can't play them all because, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's there's just some sequences I can't form an opinion that I can afford to play. Yeah, and it's like at, at some point you put so much money into it that you're not, it's, it, you're just, it's not worth the payout that you're going to get back. Right. And uh, it just, that's just my opinion. I, but don't get me wrong. I see a carryover. I'm going to look. I think that's you automatically should look, right? But then it's like you know. Uh, just use a little due diligence and just don't get so wide eyed that it's like, Hey, I'm going to automatically win this much money. And it turns out it's like, well, I got $1,600. Not that $1,600 is bad, but I probably got $1,600 if I hit without the carryover. Just that there's so many more tickets in there and there's so many more spread tickets and there's so many more color by number spread tickets. If uh, I just think you need to be, again, I talk about time, just examine each sequence separately and, and individually uh, on every time you play something like that. But that's just a little carryover spiel I have. And we would be remiss if we did not uh, uh, mention uh, the, the, the folks in Mayfield, Kentucky, and yeah. Daw- uh, Dawson Springs, and and Western Kentucky. In our uh, thoughts and prayers, uh, I do want to point out that the the Jockey Club has donated fifty thousand dollars to the Tornado Relief, and I believe Mattress Mac. Uh, McInvale has uh, uh, donated some money to the, the the relief fund. So you know a lot a lot of people in horse racing. I, I'm sure I'm missing a a lot of others. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a, there's a lot of people in the in the game that have uh, uh, spent some time or or given up some uh, funds to direct it toward those causes. So yeah, we we uh, we hope for the best for the for the people down in Mayfield. I've been down there one time. It's a it's a cool place. It's uh, yeah. I, I feel bad for what they. Uh, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go out because it's not that far from where we're at. It very easily could, have, you know, just taken a, a small turn because it was—it's some massive thing. It was a massive deal. The destruction and the mayhem down there are just unreal. And uh, yeah, I, I will say again, there's always positives that come out of negatives. All this is a big negatives, loss of life, and un, un incredible damage. But uh, you do see the, the the goodness in people, and I can't say I agree with a lot of the politicians we have in this state. But I will say they are all banding together. A lot of people come together to try to make try to make uh, that situation down there a little more uh, livable, a little more, uh, especially this time of year. So uh, again, yeah, as CC said, thoughts and prayers, just like everybody else. We, we're we're thinking uh, of our folks down that way. And uh, last thing we want to cover. We don't know when exactly we're going to do this podcast. It's either going to be in the next week or two. We're going to have our first annual airing of grievances uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to celebrate Festivus for the rest of us. But uh, yeah, the airing of grievances will uh, uh, will be coming to you soon uh, to your airwaves. So probably, you, probably next week. Probably next week. Yeah. yeah, hopefully next week if we can work it out. But uh, that and what we're going to do, we're just going to uh, uh, talk about what we dislike about the sport of horse racing and, and, and management and, and what's going on in, in, the, in the industry and the sport. And then we're also going to insult each other. Hopefully uh, <laughs> I've got a few choice words for Brandon and also a, a few choice words for you. Oh, and I can't wait. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it should be a, should be an exciting podcast and we invite you at home. Uh, if you want to reach out to our, uh, one of our Twitter pages, uh, maybe a direct message, and if you've got a uh, 
something that you want to get off your chest and we'll read it on air. And, uh, and yeah, the airing of grievances, uh, that will probably be podcast either 85 or 86. Yeah. Uh, it it doesn't be something, it can be something big. It can be something small, something insignificant, something that rubs you the wrong way. So you, you can remain anonymous if you want us to read it on there anonymously or, uh, you know, if you don't want to be anonymous, that's fine too. Uh, just, uh, but yeah, well, we're going to have our own. I'm sure I'll be thinking now because I've intensely got to come annoyed with some things. I know CC does too. So uh, that'll be kind of fun. It'll be kind of fun. All right. Without further ado, let's uh, introduce our guest on Auxiliary Gate Podcast number 84. Our guest this evening appeared on our radar when her two year old son of Toneless, Circle Back Jack, finished second in a rich maiden special way to Kentucky Downs back in September. Circle Back Jack parlayed that effort into a third-place finish at 47-1 to in the Indian Summer Stakes at Keeneland, finishing only behind Wesley Ward's top two-year-old stakes winners, Avery Lee Jane and Coffee Maker. Fast forward to this past week, where our guest broke through at Turfway Park on Thursday night, when Slip Sliding Away won the sixth race, and on this past Sunday, the Blue Dragon held on to win in a driving finish. And just like that, our guest is among the leading trainers at Turfway Park in the first two weeks of the meet winning with half of her four starters. I'm speaking, of course, of Sarah Hamilton. Sarah, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing fine. Very fine. Uh, first of all, Sarah, could you you could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, uh, where are you from? Where are you based? And, uh, and, and all, all that good stuff. Sure, I'd love to. Um, well, I'm Sarah Hamilton. Um, I'm from Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Um, I started with Hunter Jumper Show Horses, and I've loved horses my entire life. I started galloping my freshman year of college at Monmouth Park for Rory Houston, who was nice enough to buy me a helmet and a vest and give me a job. Um, you know, he kind of asked me if I could ride, and I said I was pretty good at staying on, and kind of worked out. Um, and uh, once I got on the racetrack, that was it. I really loved it. And I mean, I still do fox hunters and hunter jumper stuff, um, but obviously stuck with the racehorses. Uh, now we are based in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, this is what I call home now. And I'm on Rice Road at Keeneland. And it's kind of the place you want to be. There's the best people and the best horses and um, that's what I enjoy. Uh, are, at Keeneland, are you based, are you across the road at the, yes, uh, the training facility? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. just, uh, during the winter is the main track closed and you use the poly or the, yeah, the, uh, the synthetic yeah, so they surface actually just closed the main track as of yesterday for the winter. There has been talk of opening it up, um, a day or two when it's nice for breezers, this and that, but nothing's been set in stone. Um, but they have a set of gates on the small track, on the training track, and it's a it's a syn- synthetic surface, so it's you know pretty good for training for turf lay. If you have a grass horse or a horse that likes the synthetic, it definitely helps out. And there's also um, not a lot of people use it, but the back 40 of Keeneland is actually a really nice turf gallop, which I tend to use a lot as well. Wow, I never thought about that. What you say the back 40 is that? Behind yeah, it's the, actually uh, behind Rice Road, um, you know, behind the barns there, there's like a little gateway and it's kind of, you know, they have the muck there and um, Kellen Gorder has a farm right across the way, uh, which I was training out of before I got stalls on Rice Road. And I mean, there's hills and mowed paths and um, that's kind of where I got Circle Back Jack ready for Kentucky Downs, galloping up and down the hills and jogging up and down the hills and just doing a lot of conditioning out there. Which side of the road is that? If you're on Rice Road, is it on the Keeneland side or the uh, the training center side? The, the, the training you're center side. About? The training center. Okay, I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Wesley Ward's got a big barn right back there somewhere yep. too, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 He's All right. That's too. cool. I never knew that. That's pretty cool to know. So uh, could you drop some names on uh, who else you've worked for? Uh, yeah, I've worked. Well, so most currently I worked for um, as assistant for Kelsey Danner, Will Van Meter. Um, I worked for Mike Maker, Ron Moquette, um, Rory Houston, Pat McBurney. I kind of bounced around um, and just tried to go where I wanted to go and learn 
you know, what everybody does. Um, I was galloping. I did the galloping and assistant uh, deal. And I was also vet teching for a couple different vets um, at different tracks, just trying to learn a little bit of everything and every aspect of the industry. Sounds like you're well-rounded then. That's awesome. But try to be, you know, I mean, we're always constantly educating ourselves and I mean, there's just, you learn something new every single day. Did Mike Maker ever smile? <laughs> he does. He does. He's actually a really, really nice guy. He's on the quieter side, but he's a, he's a really nice guy. And I'll tell you what, he is so sharp when it comes to claiming horses. You know, um, I worked there and I was dropping claims for him in New Orleans and I was like, I mean, at one point he had dropped a, a we dropped a slip on a first time starter for maiden 15. And I was like, what, you know, I mean, what does he see in this horse? Not only did the horse, I think it ran second. Um, we came back, ran it for 50 at one and got claimed. And I was like, how did he know? <laughs> 40, yeah. So, right. 45, $50,000 profit right off the bat. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's go way back. What inspired you to get into uh, into racing? Well, um, the so the horse show farm that I worked at uh, ever since I was young, the tra- the owner was a trainer at Parks, Frank Polera, really old school guy. He was, I mean, he's still around. He's still training. He's got to be, I don't know, upper eighties at the at at this time. Um, but. So I was always, since a young age, getting on horses that were coming home from the track and um, turning them into lesson horses or, you know, show prospects. And um, when I left for college, I had kind of built myself um, into that barn. I was running it, um, teaching lessons. I had all of my lesson students set up and whatnot. Um, I had a couple race horses that I was, you know, helping people ride and, and whatnot. Um, so when I left for college, I left all of that behind. And when I came back for the summer, I didn't have a job. And I was like, well, what do I do? And a few of my clients, um, they had owned race horses at Mammoth and their trainer needed a rider. Uh, one of his riders had broken her elbow. And I was like, oh, man, I'd love to do that. Sure. Sign me up. And so they set me up with Rory Houston and, you know, he bought me a helmet and a approved vest and put me on some horses. And, uh, that was that I loved it. I was hooked. I started getting on 10 a day and you couldn't keep me away. Now let's fast forward to recently. What made you decide to go out on your own? That's a good question. Um, you know, after Wilby stopped training, I, wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go. Um, I kind of knew that I wanted to train, but I thought I needed, you know, more experience. And I mean, there's never a really good time to go out on your own. Um, And so I kind of took the winter to gallop and figure out what I was doing. And I came back to Keeneland in the spring with a string for Kelsey Danner. And um, uh, Wilby's father, Tom Van Meter said, hey, I've got a horse to come into you. And I was like, are you, you sure? You're going to send me a horse? It was a two-year-old called me Gusto. And uh, we had broke him out at the farm. And then he had sent him down to um, down to Ocala to get legged up. And he's like, yeah, he's coming in Wednesday. And I was like, all right, well, I guess, uh, guess we're doing this. And then after I told um, Kathy Sweezy, who is my aunt, who owns Timbertown Stables, um, I told her, hey, I've got a horse coming in for Tom. She's like, well... I've got a two-year-old sitting out in the field, and um, how, do, how about we do a deal? And I was like, all right, all right, two's a good start. And that's kind of how it started. Two two-year-olds that were kind of fresh off the farm and went and got my license, and I was freelancing for people and just trying to hustle and make some money and pay my way. And um, now we're up to nine horses, so we've grown fairly well. And they've all done pretty well so far. And Call Me Gusto gave you your first win. Is that correct? At Ellis? Yes, sir. At Ellis Park this summer. Okay. Tell us about Circleback Jack. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before we started recording, but he hadn't been on the work tab lately. What's he doing right now? And when's he coming back to the races? So um, I ran him a bunch. <laughs> um, 
you know, so he's a, he's a really cool little horse. Um, you know, he came, I legged him up with my fox hunters and brought him into the track and he's just been an absolute superstar. He loves to work, loves the game, super competitive and has a huge heart. Um, so he ran third first time out at Ellis, came back, ran a, a huge second at Kentucky Downs. Um, and then, you know, I'm kind of running out of turf at that point. And I was like, well, I'll double enter them, see if we get in the maiden special weight, see if we get in the um, the stake. You know, I didn't have any preference because I was still a maiden, but I thought he was good enough to go in the, in the Indian summer stake. And um, once I got into the stake, I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to do it. See what we got. Um, and he ran a huge third. I mean, just got beat for second. Um, and then I ran him back on the dirt at Keeneland, which he made a huge effort. Um, and then I probably should have turned him out then because um, he had been running so hard. Um, but he was sound and game. And so I kept on with him and tried him at Churchill and he didn't like the surface surface at all. So I gave him about three weeks off at the farm and he's been turned out playing with his friends. And I actually just brought him in two days ago and he's back in training and, um, we'll see when the new book comes out for Turfway, what's next for him. So let's talk about, uh, your two winners this past week. Uh, first of all, slip sliding away is a daughter of Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh. She was 0 for 10 coming into the race after being, tra- or, yeah, before being transferred to your care from the barn of J.J. Toner. Yes. Uh, first of all, how did you come to acquire this filly, and uh, were you expecting uh, such an effort uh, in, her, in her first start for you? So, um, Jimmy Toner's a good friend of the family, and she was actually supposed to go to Timbertown to be bred. Um, but she wasn't going to get bred until February. And Jimmy was like, man, this horse is doing really well. And, you know, she's kind of, she's right there. Uh, I'd love for her to break her maiden for the owners before she goes to get bred. And so he asked Kathy and Wayne, he said, Hey, do you guys know of anybody that's going to run at Turfway? And they're like, well, actually our niece, uh, is training now. And, you know, I'm sure she'd love to have the filly. So, uh, they sent me Jimmy's number. I called him right up you know, jumped at the opportunity. And so he sent her on over probably three, almost a month ago. Um, and, you know, just kind of got to know the Philly a bit. And uh, we entered, we were on the AE, we were waiting to get in, we didn't get in. And then I re-entered and she finally got in, um, you know, and, and the field didn't come up terrible because these main special weights have been pretty tough at Turfway, mm-hmm. um, considering what it normally is. And, um, you know, I went over there and I was pretty confident. I knew she was plenty fit and feeling good. And um, she (laughs) kind of surprised me. She was so quiet when we shipped over to Turfway. And she's like standing in ice boots and falling asleep. And I'm like, hmm, uh, I don't know, (laughs) you know, kind of worried me a little bit. Um, But as soon as we got over to the paddock, she was all class and ready to roll and uh, legged the jock up and had a really good feeling about it. And she broke from the gates and never looked back. Um, so that was really, really exciting. Um, but I do have Jimmy Toner to thank for that, for sure, um, for giving me the opportunity to run the Philly. And a great ride turned in by John McKee, who was just recently Absolutely. on our, yeah, he was on our podcast two weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know John McKee very well. I haven't used him before. Um, so that was his first ride and first win for me. So that was really exciting. I hope we can do get a few more of those. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, th- this filly, uh, her mother leading astray was a really nice stakes filly, I believe, for Chris Block back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, so she's uh, she's probably a, a really nice broodmare prospect. Uh, but what are the immediate plans for slip sliding away? Are we staying on the track or are we going to the farm? We're going to stay on the track for at least another start um, and then kind of go from there, see where she takes us probably uh a other than allowance yes sir okay let's talk about the other uh the, the other winner on sunday was uh, the blue dragon won a thirty thousand dollar claimer and what struck me about this horse now you've already alluded to uh one of the owners is timbertown stables mm-hmm. which i believe that's the farm that boards a lot of the mares for mandy pope songbird and groupie doll yes, ever to grace is that right all the, all the big mares yes sir and 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 kathy sweezy is the a manager or a 
the owner, Kathy and Wayne own Timbertown Stables, and um, Kathy is my aunt. Kathy owns, okay, Kathy owns, and, and she's your aunt, so that's that's cool. That's a good connection to have, I'd say, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely a great connection, and actually, I mean, Kathy trained, um, she did the racetrack far before the farm life, so she's been a really great sounding board for any time I you know, I've questioned something or need some advice. She's always there. She's always, you know, got faith in me and her and Wayne have been so great and they've supported me so much and I've, I owe them big time. So I'm going to ask you a favor, just, you know, one day, could you smuggle me into the farm in the trunk? <laughs> Absolutely. You want to just let me out? I, yeah. I'd like to hang out and see the, see all those, uh, uh those expensive Absolutely. Mares. Anytime. Yeah. Uh, also noticed uh, Robert Evans is a co-owner of the of the Blue Dragons. Yeah, so this Mr. Is... Evans also ha- um, has kept mares at Timbertown in the past, and they do consign um, horses for him. And this is kind of a funny story. Uh, Mr. Evans originally owned the Blue Dragon before he was the Blue Dragon. So they, Kathy and Wayne, consigned the Blue Dragon uh, for Mr. Evans uh, in Saratoga. I was actually there working the sale for them that year, and um, he was this big, lanky coal, um, as these tonalists tend to be, uh, very big, tall, leggy, a bit immature looking, but a really nice horse. And a lot of people overlooked him. He didn't have much interest, not a lot of scopes, not a lot of vettings, and um, and Mr. Evans was like, I don't understand and uh, so actually Wayne went out on a limb and ended up um, purchasing this horse for 90000 as a yearling. And um, they originally had sent him to their son, Kent, to train. And Kent had him for two starts. Um, but the horse has had his, his, his issues. He's kind of a, a, a more difficult horse to keep sound, um, probably because he's big and and he's got talent, so those are always a bit tougher. Um, and then I got him this year after about a year layoff, and they were like, "See what you can do. See if you can keep him sound, and we'll see what happens." So you're filling out the puzzle for me. So Kent Sweezy is the the son of of Wayne. Of Wayne and Cat. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so it's it's all in the family. Cousin. You you yeah. yeah. The genetics the are there. I got yeah. you. So uh, Robert Evans is the is the man that owned um, Tonalist, right? To win the Belmont Stakes. Yes. Is that the same yes, Robert sir. Evans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Uh, so uh, your rider on the Blue Dragon was uh, Farron Peterson. Yes, uh, and so Farron has been. She's based out of Lexington now, and she's come helped me out a couple mornings, helped raise horses with me, and um, I noticed her when she had her bug at Mammoth. Um, because I haven't been back to Monmouth in a while, but I always kind of keep track of what's going on. And I thought she was riding some really good races and doing really well over there. So when she popped up in Lexington, I was, you know, definitely had an interest. And um, I'm always trying to help other girls out in the industry. I mean, you know, we all want to help each other out and do well and see each other succeed. And so she came and helped me out a couple times and I said, I'll try and put you on, you know, as many as I can. And Kathy and Wayne had noticed her as well. She, I think she had ridden some horses for Kent at Mammoth. And so when we were discussing who was going to ride Dragon, um, Farron came up and Kathy was like, yeah, she's a smart rider. Why not? And I was like, absolutely. So uh, just tuned in. We're listening or we're talking with Sarah Hamilton. Uh, Sarah had a big week at Turfway Park, and uh, Alan, do you have any questions for Sarah? Uh, yeah, one thing we've talked about uh, the Blue Dragon a little bit recently. I know in Slip Sliding Away, mm-hmm. and Slip Sliding Away would be named after the Paul Simon song, I'm presuming, uh, from back in the day. I'm old. Uh, the Blue <laughs> Dragon, where did that name come from? You um, know? that is a good question. I do feel like Kathleen Wayne had a story behind that name. Um, because the, I believe the mayor's name was Safira, which is a blue dragon, perhaps. Oh, okay. There we go. That answers that question. Uh, and again, and you mentioned a moment ago that you have worked for so many big names in the racing game. So I'm first off, I'm assuming you're what, 70 years old. Is that right? <laughs> 70, 75. You don't yes, sound yes, like I'm it. I'm definitely up there at the ripe age of 29. 
29. I had a feeling, but you've done, you've put in a lot of work with a lot of people. So it's, you've accomplished a lot and done a lot in a short period of time. Um, trying to think what my train of thought was along those lines. Uh, oh, William Van Meter. William Van Meter. You yes. said you worked with William Van Meter. You worked with Ron Moquette. I'm trying to think of some Van Meter's a good horse. I think of Plainsman. Did you have anything to do with Plainsman? Yes, I was around Plainsman a little bit, and that's actually really funny. Um, I just had lunch today with Tessa, who works for Brad Cox, who's the assistant for Brad here, and oh. uh, they have Plainsman now. And um, Kristen Wilby's wife loved Plainsman. That was like her favorite, one of her favorite horses. So it's really fun to see these horses kind of come full circle. Um, you know, you might lose them for a bit and then they come right back around. And so it'd be remiss if you mentioned Mo Quit and I asked if you, if you were not around Whitmore, were you around, uh, the champion Whitmore at all? Um, not much. No. Uh, actually when I was working for Wilby down at Oaklawn, I did get the opportunity to watch him train every day. Um, Ron's wife, Laura does a great job with him. He's a really, really cool horse. He was always really spunky and bucking and playing and, uh, you'd always notice him. He had a huge presence. And it's funny, uh, CC mentioned Farron Peterson a moment ago, who you won with just this past weekend. Again, that's someone else who's been on our radar. Right? Farron, if you're listening yeah. to this, congratulations on your first win here in Kentucky. There was more coming. We'd like to have you on sometime as well. Uh, we've noticed Farron, so I'm glad he covered that uh, with Farron. I'd like to circle back to circle back Jack, ironically, I because know. there's something unique about this horse. And it's, for you, someone who has to pay the bills, it's probably pretty good for you because this horse has run big races and big in big purse stakes, uh, big purse races, the stakes at Keeneland, right? The yes. maiden race at Kentucky Downs. So this horse is paying the bills for you, right? Making a nice chunk of change. And yes. The horse is still really, eligible really for well for me. Uh, yeah. And he's, starting out can be really tough in this business. You have a yes a lot of bills to cover, a lot of people to pay, and the bills are always coming in. Um, so he's still he has, for Maiden Company, right? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he's he's been a huge, huge benefit, um, not only to my business, but to help build my name and reputation. And also, he's just a really fun horse to have in the barn. I mean, he's fun to ride. He's fun to gallop. He's fun to be around. He loves the game. He tries his heart out every single time. And got a lot of conditions left. A lot of, a lot of conditions left. If he can uh, get some, get some more wins. Uh, you got yeah, Maiden Company. Yeah, how many people have a stakes place Maiden in their barn? <laughs> exactly. That's that's some. That's I just thinking if someone's starting out like yourself, that's a really good thing to have, right? Because yeah, it gets and- it gets those checks paid. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, everybody was kind of questioning my you know, move, running him in the stake. And um, I called up Rusty Arnold because, you know, he's been around for a long time and he has seen it all and he's done it all. And I called up Rusty and I was trying to make a decision whether to run Jack in the maiden special weight where he was nine to two or in this, you know, stake at Keeneland where he's 40 something to one. And uh, Rusty goes, well, Sarah, you know, you're running out of turf and I like to be aggressive with them. So I say he go does. for it. And I said, and, Rusty, I think you're right. The horse almost got second. If anybody watched oh, the race. so close. And, yeah, he ran against a monster in Averly Jane on top of it, too. So Absolutely. And he was coming. He was closing really hard. He really, really was. So we go back to the – and CC touched on this, too, because I always like to ask people because it's so, it's so cool to watch a jockey get their first win, a trainer get their first win. So let's go back to Ellis Park with it's Call Me Gusto, correct? That's yes. the name of the horse. Mm-hmm. See, I remember that race exceptionally well. I've got an eidetic memory of some of these Kentucky races. That was the last race on a Sunday at Ellis Park, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I was there, and, by the way. Yeah, you were there. That's correct. Yeah. Brandon was there and, too, I think. Yeah, that's Gardenia Wait. Day. That's a Groupie Doll right. Day. Groupie Doll. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I left after the Groupie Doll. <laughs> well, you you missed uh, Sarah's uh, maiden bow there because. The weird thing about that race to me is like I remember it perfectly because there was a bunch of big name trainers in that race, right? I had no right. idea who was going to win. It was like Ian Wilkes, there was Brendan Walsh was in there, Vicky Oliver. Yeah, I the, say, but, yeah, the race was pretty stacked, and um, and there was Sarah Hamilton. Was, yeah, and you know, going into it, I was pretty confident Gusto had had a really good third um, before that race. Um, 
you know, I knew he was improving he was doing really well training. I was looking forward to the race. I knew it was going to be tough competition. And, you know, he's a capo best own. Nobody even knows who that sire is. And, um, you know, yeah, everybody who's Sarah Hamilton. Right. Um, right. but I was, I was really excited about the race and, and looking forward to it. And I don't know how, but they just let him get away with like a half and 50 and, you know, and he just drew away. And I was like, are they really so what was your, So what was your emotions as you saw him cross the finish line? Is it like, I mean, it had to be just surreal, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, you get that feeling of winning. Um, no matter, I mean, it's definitely better when it's for yourself, but even when you're working for other people and you've worked with this horse and you've put so much effort and hard work and, you know, you, you take so much time to figure out these horses and what they prefer, what distance, what surface. Um, and when it all comes together, you're just, you know, it's like a satisfying feeling you're excited and, you know, everybody's in this to have fun, right? Like this right. is the game. This is a sport. We're here yeah. to have fun. Um, and so when you're winning, it's definitely a lot of fun. So I just wish, and I guess it's not so much that started that tradition where when a trainer gets their first, when they get the same celebra- celebration from the other trainers, the way the jockeys do, right? So they really throw the shaving cream, <laughs> I the do toothpaste. believe somebody was chasing me down with a bucket of water. Uh, I did do they, believe get you? it was Bass Nickel. Uh, Lucas is assistant, and I was a bit quicker than him. <laughs> well, it's, I'll tell you what, though. At a summer, August, at, in Ellis Park in Henderson, Kentucky, that bucket of water might not have felt bad. It's usually about 95. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. That's hey, Brandon, what do you got for Miss Hamilton here? Well, you covered that one, and I, I saw that uh, Call Me Gusto is, is entered up yeah, at Tur- so Turfway. Yeah, he's, he's entered back uh, at Turfway. Uh, I think we're about 30 to 1. Um and what? it's honestly not the preferred race I wanted to enter for. Um, that day for the entries, they had a sub race for 30 going a mile, um, which would have been my preferred distance and spot. Um, but they didn't use the race and they didn't bring it back. And he's ready to go. We just recently gelded him after the last start at Keeneland, which, you know, would have been a good race, except it came off the turf. Um, and he's just not really a dirt horse. Um, but anyway, so we gelded him after that start, went to the farm for a, week, a couple weeks and brought him back in and he's ready to go. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity to run him. So this might not be his preferred distance, but I do think, um, his race after this one will be a winning one. Oh, there you go. All right. That's what we're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you got to you know give a race to get one yeah so you know kind of back to this new start I mean what are some of the goals that you wish to accomplish as a trainer I mean obviously you want to have wins but are you wanting to be a mega trainer are you wanting to be a 20 horse stable trainer Um, tell us a little bit about that prefer I don't I'm not going to turn down horses anytime soon I know that Um, but at the same time, I'm a very hands-on trainer. I gallop everything myself. I'm in the stalls with them all the time. Um, you know, so a smaller stable is definitely my preference. Um, I'm not going to go crazy and have a hundred horses or anything like that. Uh, 15 to 20 would be great. Uh, I've got plenty of babies to come in this winter. So that's always exciting. I love, um, I'll break babies out at the farm and then bring them in. I kind of do a little bit of everything. So for me, the hands-on, being able to get on my horses and know my horses personally is really important for me. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of the familiar connections that, that'll help and, and plant a seed or two, and then other people and like us take notice, and then your name gets repeated. Uh, and I tell you, from a, as a small owner, I love hearing that you're, you're doing all that work and then some, and I mean, it's not easy. I mean, I've been back there all those times and it's freezing. You know, the conditions are just, you never know what you're going to get in the morning. Yeah. But But we do it for the love of the horse, right? I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we do it. I love, I love getting up in the morning because I love what I do. And to see a horse go on and and win and do well means that you're doing your job right. Because happy horses run well. Right. And I think we're going to put the pod on a, a field trip. We're going to get the turfway at some point uh, in the next week or two. And if you happen to be in town for a night of night racing, it's great. 
we, you know, we were debating Sundays, the Sunday afternoon stuff, but we're not used to turf play in the afternoon. Yeah, it's definitely different. And there is some talk about day racing with the new book on Saturdays and Sundays, but um, I haven't heard if that's true or not yet. Interesting. I like night racing. I prefer the night racing there. Yeah. Oh, it gets <laughs> cold as hell. It gets cold as hell up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This will be my first Kentucky winter. Yeah. Um, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I've done night racing. I did night racing in Texas and, and all that. And when you have to get up at 430, it's not ideal. Um, but if you're doing well and your horses are running well, it's all worth it in the end. Do, do you yeah, prefer any type of surface? I mean, obviously you're going to go through the, the motions, but is there something that you just have always had a, a better read on with horses, whether they're going to be a dirt horse or a turf horse? I mean, they tell you, you can usually feel it um, when you're galloping them and you're breezing them. Uh, for the most part, you can generally tell uh, just by how they feel across the surface. Um, like I could tell with Gusto um, right off the bat. You know, and he he's a great workhorse in the morning on the dirt, um, but he's much, much better on the turf or a sealed track. Even um, some horses just prefer a, a tighter surface. I've got a two year old first time starter. Um, hopefully he'll be ready for a race on the 30th up at Turfway. And he's a hard spun colt. And I think he will really prefer the tapita or the turf over dirt as well. Um but they generally, they kind of tell you. If you just listen, they tell you. How? So you, you prefer any surface. <laughs> yeah, whatever's best for the horse. Yeah, yeah, good. Wait a minute, go back, go answer my question. How do you know, or how do they tell you that what which they prefer? Um, I think it's just a feel. Is that how they're built or anything, like their hooves? or? It depends. Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes you see a horse with big old flat feet and you're like, oh, that's going to be a turf horse for sure. Um, but there's there's no real talent. And I mean, look at Circleback Jack. He's a tonalist. I mean, they're usually long on the dirt. Tonalist was long on the dirt. Um, but to me, I don't know, ever since I've been riding him and galloping and I'm training him, I think he likes a tighter surface. Like it's just what he travels better on. Um, and you know, same thing with Gusto. So, you know, I mean, they just, just the way they feel. Now, what happens after Turfway? What, where would you go after the Turfway meet? You know, where would you like to enter horses from there? Um, I will hopefully still be based at Keeneland. Um, that's kind of the plan there. I'm trying to make a base in Lexington, at least for now. Um, and, you know, if I need to run one at, you know, hopefully Keeneland spring meet, I'd love to have a couple to run there, obviously. Um, and then, you know, see if we need to run at Indiana or Belterra or we'll ship and run wherever we need to go. Yeah, got it. Will you help out any of the buyers or owners at any of the upcoming sales at all? Yes, actually, um, I do have an owner, Randy Finnegan, that... Um, is a really, really great guy. And I bought a couple horses for him in September and I actually bought a Philly. Um, uh, there was a Kathy and Wayne were selling this pioneer, of the Nile Philly that I fell in love with as a foal. Uh, I thought she was so impressive as a foal. I thought she was a colt at first. And so I kind of kept up with her and followed her and she was in the September sale um, out of Tiger Cat Lily. And I saw her at the sale and I was like, I have to have that feeling. I have to train her. And so I signed the ticket and found people to buy in later. Um, and it wow. all worked out. Um, but she, I'm hoping for her to be my two-year-old superstar. Okay. Wow, what was the awesome. name again? What was the name? Um, her name is going to be Lily's for Millie, but she is um, by Pioneer of the Nile out of Tiger Cat Lily. Gotcha. All right. Write it down. Write it down, y'all. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I love that. When you see them that young and when they come back through. It's I mean, really took... fun. I mean, the whole breaking process is really fun. She's been super classy and easy to break. And I've got a lot of friends and family in on her, which makes the experience really fun for everybody because everybody's involved and um, you've just got all good people behind it. And I don't know. Hopefully we can make it, you know, she'll tell us when she's ready, but hopefully we can make it into the spring with her and me and Wesley Ward can have a little competition. 
yeah. Nice. You gotta figure out the magic of how he can get that horse to break. How he always gets him to break so fast. But I want to tell you this too. When you ever hear have that feeling again at a young age of, of those horses when they're coming back through as a, either a, a yearling or a two year old, the Auxiliary Gay podcast can also be an investor now. Okay, there oh, we go. Oh, we can't. I like that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have to have we're, money first. And we're, we're short on funds. <laughs> Plasma. Do they take plasma? <laughs> Whatever I don't know it takes. If that's uh, that's trading point. <laughs> we'll raise money that way, and you know, the the uh, once we come up with our marketing plan and, and trying to sell some subscriptions, once we get uh, you know, master title of sponsor and these attorneys, I feel like we have a lot of attorneys that listen. So, you know, well, maybe good. they can. They're always handy a, to have around. Yeah, a couple yeah. Of equine attorneys could sponsor us for for a meet you know a series of so but uh man that's fun I, I love those feelings when you see them i thought some of the mastery colts and phillies uh two years ago well was it two years ago one year ago i thought they really looked great but um you know i'm wrong on that one yeah <laughs> not really well that's the thing really. with horses you just never know yeah yeah mastery's still got to be proven and we're gonna have one we got one coming okay yeah, uh, we'll see. Hey, uh, what's your favorite thing about Kentucky outside of horse racing? Now that you, you're here, you, you're established in Kentucky, or, or what's something that you hate about the state? And you can say anything you like uh, outside of the horse racing game. Um, well, um, first of all, I love Kentucky. Since the first time I came here, I was like, this place is fantastic. Um, it's okay. And I'm a horse crazy girl. So when I'm not doing horse racing, I'm going to take my pony my stable pony jumping or fox hunting or you know going to ride at masterson's or the horse park um so i don't really stray from the horses much um but there is some the best thing about kentucky i think is the people i love the people of lexington everybody that i've met here have been so nice and so great and supportive and and i just think they're generally like good people um and for me i'm a people person so where there's good people that's where i want to be that is a great answer and now i think with an answer such as that you could you're locked to run for office in the state of kentucky (laughs) whenever you see fit so just just copy that speech down and we can get you on a you know all at least start at an alderman or something like that moving way up (laughs) great answer (laughs) we're glad you came Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate it. Hey, Sarah, before we let you go, I, I, I have to ask, I ask this for everybody, and there's always a common thread, it seems like, amongst the horse people. Uh, what does Sarah Hamilton do to blow off steam when she's not at the track or around horses? I fox hunt or <laughs> when I'm not around horses. Um, that's a good question. Uh, See, I knew it. They, all the horse people struggle to answer that question because they're always at the track or they're, 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 their world revolves around their horses. Yes. Um, you know, but like I said, I'm a people person and I love going out to dinner. I love, you know, going to hang out with friends or even just going to dinner by myself and chit chatting with random people. Okay. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Uh so Sarah, why don't you uh before we uh before we part ways, why don't you tell us uh why a prospective owner should look you up and have you train their horses? Well, because I believe happy horses are the kind of horses that run. And so I try and do everything in my power to make my horses as happy as possible and fit and ready to roll. Outstanding. Well, you've done a good job so far in a short period of time. Well, we're, we're happy to see your success. And uh, when somebody like you goes into the winner's circle, it, it makes the game a whole lot more fun. That's for sure. Well, that's the, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, uh, I think she's a leading trainer at Turfway right now. I might be wrong about that. She's pretty close. Second I'm place, tied for second. Tied for Damn, second. Okay, that's pretty exciting. Right. <laughs> Brent Cox has three wins. She's tied for second with two wins. Take a take a screenshot of that because he might yeah, fall that, away. Yeah, that, that won't last for long. <laughs> uh, all right, Sarah, this has been a blast. We we we're glad you joined us this evening, and uh, we wish you uh, the best of luck going forward. We wish you the best of luck with uh, Call Me Gusto this coming uh, Thursday, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll hook up soon and uh, meet in person at some point. 
All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the invite. It's been really fun talk talking with you guys. Thank you, Thanks, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you. Okay. That was the well-spoken Sarah Hamilton and a trainer that uh, is, is, I think is no doubt she's up and coming. She's uh, that was a, a good interview. And, and, and part of this game is social. And I think she covers the, uh, the, the social base as well. How can you tell me that if you listen to an interview with Miss Hamilton, that you don't want to hang out with Miss Hamilton? I mean, she is awesome. She's as likable and as fun and a good trainer too. I mean, uh, she only 29. She's got one heck of a, one heck of a start in this business. I mean, she was just as affable, the right word. Is, is that a good one? Amiable? Uh, I, don't effervescent? I, don't know what, I don't know what any of those words mean. Well, my wife got me at the source for Christmas. I already opened it. No, <laughs> but no, she was, she was fantastic. Uh, Wish you the best, Lester. Thank you for coming on, and I'm sure everybody's gonna love uh, love hearing it. So yeah, there's quite a bit of a youth movement in the sport, it seems, with uh, Sarah. And then you know you got trainers like Chelsea Moisey and uh, Reeve McGahee's out there where she's stabled, and Kent Sweezy, a cousin. Uh, he's he's a relatively young guy in Florida. So yeah, uh, a lot of these guys are, are are getting into the game early at a young age, and uh, hopefully they'll be around a long time. Yeah, she was mentioning that to us off here, some of the people that she's stable by. It's it's really is a, a youth movement out there that and we like getting these guys on here. We like we like kind of you know, one of the things we like doing this thing is showcase some of these people before other people get a hold of them. We're just a little small outfit, but we, we and we enjoy talking to them and uh we're better for it and uh there's so many more out there that we could talk to that I see a lot of up and comers. All right. Well we've talked enough. For this yes, we have. Podcast, so we'll we'll knock it off here. Uh, Brandon has gone back to his poker game, and uh, hopefully he'll uh, uh, win enough money to to cover my Christmas gift this year. Uh, <laughs> not asking for a whole lot, but uh, you know, uh, Brandon, good luck to you tonight. So, uh, but uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm just looking for the holidays. I get during the holidays, I get 11 days off work. So that's my wife asks me all the time over Christmas, and she spoils me but there's no better gift than getting 11 days off from work. So that's all at the end of the day. I that's all know. I care about. I know you probably wouldn't know, but in the auto industry, hopefully one day I'll find out soon, but uh, that's all for now. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, I'm CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.